And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we are back. Thank you so much for joining us for yet another episode of the Startup Hustle podcast. Uh, Today's topic, launching a startup during a pandemic, which I think is probably pretty pretty important to a lot of entrepreneurs out there right now. I am Lauren Conaway, your host. I'm founder and CEO of Innovate Her KC, and I would be remiss if I did not remind you that today's episode of Startup Hustle is sponsored by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably and doing a whole bunch of other cool stuff. We, we, we love ourselves some Fullscale. So, so today's show, this is another one of our top Chicago startups, and I love love, love talking to our top startups uh, across the country. Um, It's been a really, really fun experience getting to know some of these groundbreaking, disruptive companies that are doing really, really amazing stuff in cities across the nation. Um, But today we have a a very cool guest. We have with us Kim Michelson, and she is co-founder and CEO of Honest Game. And so we're going to be talking about data and sports and, you know, achievement and academics and like all kinds of cool stuff. But Kim, I just want to kick off the show by saying, first of all, thank you so much for being here. (laughs) Oh, God, Lauren, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Um, So so tell us, like, like, I'm just going to go ahead and jump right in. And I, I, I would love it if you could explain Honest Game for our listeners. I, I, I know what you do. I, th- I think mostly, um, but our listeners want to hear from you. What, what is Honest Game? Sure. Thanks, Lauren. Um, how I'd like to describe Honest Game is really in three ways, the what, the how, and the why. So from a what standpoint, we're a the first SaaS sort of technology platform um, that automates academic eligibility, NCAA and NAIA, to college sports. That's our what. Um, and we use verified data through transcripts and test scores to do that so people can trust it. Our how, I just sort of shared that as well with you, which is we, we do it through our tool, through our platform, our technology platform. But our why is to me more exciting and it's really about changing the world. So, you know, our why is kind of about, and why we get up in the morning is about leveling the playing field um, so we can drive equity in sport and college a- access for all student athletes. That is awesome. I love that. So, so let me ask you this. Um, in the past, how has that equity in sports been a challenge? Yeah. Similar to getting an accountant to do complicated taxes, the majority of people in the country, frankly, the world, don't understand the complicated rules. We like to call it a multi-tiered matrix of test scores, a special NCAA core GPA, um, and your GPA. And in order to even access college sports, you need to meet these requirements. And because most people don't understand them, they're flying blind. Um, So just a few stats for you. Um, Just in the U.S. alone, a million kids a year are unable to accept college scholarships because they're academically ineligible. 
and any kind of urban community, um, the stats are much more dire. It's one in two student athletes that are unable um, to go to college. And so really it's less about you must go to college and more about clearing the way to drive equity and access for all. That's amazing. And, and, and that's such important work. Um, so, so tell me this, what, what's your stake in an honest game. How did you how did you come to honest game? Um, you know, come up with the idea, develop it. What uh, what brought Kim into this space? Well, thanks for asking that. Um, we probably all have a story. I'm sure we do. Um, sport was a really big um, driver in my life. Uh, grew up in California, and we didn't have any girls teams um, at the time. Well, girls basketball teams, and so. Um, because of Title IX, I benefited. I, I tried out and, and made the boys' varsity basketball and baseball team. So I was the first female in California to do that. Um, and I think, you know, we use that as a microcosm for like other things, but things I learned on the court um, about grit, about determination, um, about learning how to be a graceful loser, all those things apply to life and to business. And so that was sort of how I, how I sort of got into sport. And but how this idea came to fruition was really that I was working, I was running as an executive director, a nonprofit for under-resourced student athletes. Mm-hmm. And we had to raise a lot of money, which was, in my opinion, somewhat inefficient. Um, because why couldn't, if you scaled it with technology, you could help more people for less money. Um, but the basic idea was that you just start seeing patterns. And one pattern is that the NCAA does a, the best job that they can. They're a clearinghouse, but there's no guide to get there. So we're the guide, the yellow brick road. And the idea came to me because, frankly, it just, it, ha- it, it was kind of a, a shame that nobody had ever created this. And its impact was so dire on and, and so tr- potentially transformational for so many people's lives. Yeah. And, and just, I, I'm sure you have the stats on this, but how many, how many students would you say have been positively impacted by Honest Games since you founded? Do you, do you yeah. have a yeah, so um, here's the great news. The great news is that we launched in February of 2020, and so yeah. we've just 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 hit a year. Um, and in that year, we have 20, 25,000 users on our on our platform. Oh wow, that's incredible! Congratulations. Thank you. So it's been um, it's been it's been super positive, and year over year too, Lauren. We're really going to be able to sort of see how it impacts student learning outcomes. How many more yeah. kids are going going to college? Doesn't matter what level. D1, D2, NAIA, but having opportunities. So I think year over year, the stats are going to be even more compelling. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that is absolutely amazing. Well, so, so talk to me about this because I, I, I'm just super intrigued. Um, you know, I don't think you said that you launched in February of 2020. I don't think there's a person out there who says to themselves, Hey, you know, we're in the middle of a global pandemic, um, and an economic downturn, this would be a great time to start a company. <laughs> so, so tell us about the kind of process that, that led you there. Yeah. I, you know, I, we create, it's a great question. Um, and for anybody out there that's, you know, has done the same, I, I tremendous respect and awe of all of you. Um, so we started this business in, well, our technology, we kind of, the idea of the business started in January of 2019. So about a year before the pandemic. We actually didn't launch our technology, hire an engineer till, till February of 2020. So we were trying to figure out, this is a great idea, but is it actually a business? Um, and then we applied in that same time frame, I think January of 2020, to the Chicago Bulls venture competition. 
And we beat out 200 companies and we got our first venture capital money. So we thought this is very real now. And the one thing I can say to anybody who's running a business during COVID is that if you can survive and even thrive during these times, you're going to do great when it's, when it's back to normal. Yeah, and, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you're, you're definitely, you've definitely had the opportunity to kind of test your mettle for sure. Um, so, so just curiosity, uh, how much have you raised at this point? Yeah. So we've raised, you know, initially in that first year, we raised about 400,000 just okay. to friends, friends and family, but actually we're also, we just, two weeks ago, we just sort of initiated our, our, an, another raise. And so we're raising 2 million and actually it's a pretty, I'm excited about the position because we started this raise two weeks ago and we already have all, we basically have soft circles already committed for that amount. Yeah. So now we can, now we can be picky, which is great. That is awesome. Well, and so, so you mentioned that, you know, you had this idea and that it actually took you a minute to hire tech. And I, I'm really curious about the tech aspect. So, so talk to us about, about that process. Like how did you identify someone or a team of someone who could help you build this out? What kind of criteria did you have in your head when you were bringing this technology to, to fruition, getting it ready to go to market? Sure. So we hired an engineer, just somebody sort of on the side to build out our tech um, because my business partner, who is very knowledgeable, worked at a high school, um, sat on only only part of 10 people that sat on the NCAA high school board, um, really, truly is an eligibility expert. Um, she was doing a lot of it by hand right away. And I was out selling, just saying, you know, um, and she'd say, well, we're not really quite ready to sell. I said, we're going to figure it out. We're going to sell. And so when we hired this engineer, it really was great because we actually, it was low cost and it was our, you know, minimum viable product and it was excellent. Um, and how the tech works, which I love is that we're not dealing with anything subjective. We're dealing with everything objective. These are rules and regulations. And we're, we basically have just took all of those complicated rules and put them into a easily digestible tech platform that everyone can be an academic eligibility expert and follow their path. So we basically just decoded that for them. So, and I love that about sports because there's so much that is subjective in sport. Are you good enough? Does my coach believe in me? Am I getting enough playing time? Why can he or she tell me I can't play that position? Um, so I love that this is just what I call an unemotional tool. It's just data. Yeah. Well, but it's you're you're allowing students and coaches and you know all of these very invested stakeholders to access that data in a very very real, um, easily digestible kind of way, which I love because I think when people when people talk about data, like they tend to get a little intimidated, but you're, you're making it very easy to access, which which I love. So so for my my next question like where I I have like a question pipeline here sure uh, that I've kind of been working on as you've been talking so talk to us about the the user experience you have different kinds of users who are interfacing with the data that you're providing um so so why don't we start with students what what does their experience with honest game look like yeah so their experience is we we try to do is the majority of kids when we deal with high school kids eighth grade and up Mm -hmm. are not thinking about academics. It's not the most sexy thing to think about. They're thinking about sports, maybe new shoes, maybe whatever else. And they're looking at TikTok and whatever they care about. So yeah. what we try to do is put the student in the center of what we call that student's village. And everybody around that student, from the parent to the coach, to the potential the club coach, to the counselor, 
all having this data so that the student is going to be surrounded by people that care about him or her and mm -hmm. going to make sure that that student stays on track. And well, and that speaks to the the impact piece. You know, you mentioned that your your co-founder is an expert in this arena and you yourself are an expert because you've both had personal experience as well as, you know, the knowledge that you got when you worked for that nonprofit. So so talk to us a little bit about that. Like, how did you we we, we have the tech side, but then we have the impact side. So for that student, um, how did you know what kind of questions to ask, what kind of data would be most useful to create real actionable change in these students' lives? Yeah, so I I love that question. Uh, let me hit the impact stuff first. Um, yeah. The impact stuff is, is um, was really non-negotiable for us. Um, we are a public benefit corp, which is really no different than a C-corp. I mean, it's just like any startup, but we kind of are alerting anybody who invests in us or is involved with us that um, we're doing well by doing good. And, yeah. that, and our real belief on the world is that, I always say this all the time that, you know, corporate social responsibility is fine, but all that stuff came out of covering your reputation. What we believe is more of a shared value model, which is that impact is really at the center of what we do and its tentacles go out to everything. And that not only can you do well by doing good, but probably you'll do better profitably by really, really sticking to and honoring in an authentic way your mission. Yeah. So that's the first piece. And then the second piece I would say is, you know, we do know the space really well. We are experts. But at the same time, we did we do we continually do tons of customer discovery because we're very open into what what don't we know and how can we get better? So what, so what what methods have you been using to interface with your your customers and and kind of figure out what the pain points, what the needs, um, and and what the tactics are? Yeah. So for example, we started really with high schools, and we realized that the value prop was really great for them because every high school in the country has a different list of NCAA core courses, and there yeah. are some high schools that don't have any core courses. So student athletes are there having no idea that unless these courses are fixed they'll never be able to play at an NCAA member institution. So it's a, it's a pretty big deal. So we started with that model and then we realized they really do get our value prop, but they move slow. So right. we moved to the club market and the club market was like, yeah, we're helping so many kids get recruited. This is a tool that, you know, college coaches must know, are you academically eligible and admissible? And if I recruit you, can you play day one? So they started paying right away. Um, but the interaction is different because we get the data directly from the learning management system at the high school. It's a push of a button. If you imagine with a club team, we have maybe 30 different high schools on a particular team. So we've got to work with them. So what we're learning about the club sector, club sector, excuse me, that's very large and very fragmented is that we have to be more mobile friendly. And that's kind of one of our key learnings. Like um, should we interact on Twitter and single sign on and, um, so we've inter integrated some other tools, like some soft phone apps and stuff to be able to text and be able to communicate a little bit more the way they communicate. Sure. That's, that's awesome. Um, well, so, so we've kind of talked about, well, we, we've talked about the, the student experience of Honest Game. What about those schools and those clubs and like these entities that are, are hoping to help these students stay academically eligible, helping to help get them recruited? Like, what does that look like? Sure. So on the high school side, um, 
it's an interesting, there's lots of people on the high school side we deal with from like the head of instructional curriculum who wants to make sure that the core courses look right and that they're named right and that they align with the NCAA portal. Um, but then there's also coaches, athletic directors, and counselors. And we try to put, imagine in a school system, there's a lot of silos. We try to make sure that our tool is touching all of them and connecting all of them. So that's how that operates. And then on the club side, they've been a really good customer. I think one thing that I think we bring to the table and our name is Honest Game is that the sector is is somewhat predatory. Uh, it can be predatory in my opinion. So making sure people will offer you, say, I can help you and I can help you, but can they really help you? Yeah. And so a tool like Honest Game really is, really builds credibility um, in the, in the face of like parents are like, yes, they really know what they're doing. They're not just there for the sport side, but they can help our children sort of more, in a more holistic way. Yeah. I love that. And I, I almost feel like, was that an un, unintended side effect? I mean, like clearly you have a very, very directed, clear purpose and mission. Like, did you anticipate that as being one of the benefits? Um, the, the transparency part? The, well, the credibility. Um, yeah, yeah. Shared shine. <laughs> yeah, I think that it's a really interesting thing. And I, I, I don't want to get off too much, but I think one of the reasons that Honest Game is successful is because if we just look, get away from sport and just look at the world right now, going back to the so Lori Laughlin scandal, um, yeah. maybe that wasn't her, but that whole scandal that happened and the public said, oh my God, like this is happening and people are buying their way into this and this seems so inequitable. Then you had the Me Too movement and people said, well, I'm kind of done with this. And then you had the Black Lives Matter movement. Then you had COVID and you take yeah. COVID where test scores were taken away and you saw the people that were inordinately affected were lower socioeconomic folks. And so I think in my opinion, it's sort of a big, oh, and then, then you turn on the news and it's like, can I trust this? Is this fake right. news? Is this real news? And I think this, this sort of pattern that we're seeing, in my opinion, drives to why our data is so valuable and credible because it's just data and it has it, data people can trust. And I think that the public is saying, not just, not I want transparency anymore, but I'm demanding it. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely amazing. Um, I don't know. I, I, I guess I had never really thought of it. it. So so one of our previous guests, Denise Hamilton, she used this term um, democratizing access. And I, I was like, I'm going to I'm going to use that and I'm going to credit you. But like, I love that you are finding a way to do that, because to be like, I, I don't think it's any secret that for some of these students, particularly from, you know, marginalized communities and depressed socioeconomic areas like sports eligibility and and like that academic eligibility like this is game changing stuff for them like this can change like you know being able to go to college and get scholarships and join some of these programs like this is this will change the tra trajectory of their life um and so so i i just love that you are you're doing this work and you're viewing it from such a an impact based standpoint um that's super cool. So I have I have one more viewpoint or one more I guess sure. point that I want to talk about, which is like the the coaches and the, the those kinds of stakeholders. Um, you know what is what is their experience with Honest Game like? I think they're really grateful because one thing we see in the sector as well is that you know we ask people to do a lot of things. So yeah. 
coaches often are the, the closest people to some of the students we work with. And they have interest from colleges and this and that. They have to coach. And one coach recently said to me, I don't even have time to coach anymore because I'm yeah. trying to, to do academic eligibility on a napkin or trying to figure out, trying to get help this kid or trying to connect them. And so I think it allows these coaches a peace of mind to know that they can do what they want to do. And yeah. somebody else has this, somebody, they can rely on Honest Game to sort of take care of the academic side. Yeah. Well, and, and I, I think I do need to mention, you know, if you listeners are, are dear friends and listeners, if you are looking to create some efficiencies and make it easier to build a software team, uh, you know, definitely look at Fullscale, fullscale.io. They can help you do that, um, help you build apps and technologies and, and help you do it affordably and efficiently. And they just do incredible work. So, so we, we love our episode sponsor, Fullscale. Um, so, so let me ask you this, and, and this is, this is a very selfish question on my part, um, but I want to ask you, you know, you, you mentioned that you have a co-founder and that you are both women, presumably. Um, so talk to me a little bit about that experience. Like you are actually operating in a pretty, I would imagine, correct me if I'm wrong, but a pretty male dominated space. Um, and so I'm really interested to hear about your experience. Yeah. I mean, I love that question. Uh, we're both females, as you said, and you are right, um, both in sport and tech. We're really, women are underrepresented. Yeah. So um, I think it it makes us closer to our mission because recently we had a call, it was a little while ago with a, a large organization, no names to be mentioned. And um, they said to us, but I think they meant it, I mean, they might've meant it as a compliment. They said, you both are, so confident you're bordering on cocky and both Joyce and my business partner and I looked at each other. We sort of, we were on zoom at the time, but we said, we just said, would they say that to a man? Yeah. And we felt like that would, they wouldn't. And so we, we try not to be too sensitive about these things. We just know that we're going to run into that and not everybody is going to be as evolved and open to this. And so, um, but we thought we, we've been in a couple of situations where we thought, Hmm, that was an interesting turn of phrase. Yeah. Well, and I think there's, I, what is it? Women secure 2% of venture capital funding. And here you are doing a, doing a raise. Um, have you come across any kind of resistance or any issues as you're, as you're looking to secure funds? Um, we've been really lucky. We didn't know what we want. We were going to, what was going to happen. We didn't know. And two weeks in, we basically have commitments for the entire 2 million we wanted to raise on this round. And so we're kind of lucky. I don't, I don't, I don't know if that there's just, and you might have a better lens on this, Lauren. I don't know if there's just a lot of money out there or people are really resonating with what we're doing, but I think that allows us to be picky and say, well, we're going to interview our investors. Like they're interviewing us. Yeah. And, and money's, I always say this all the time, not all money's the same. Sure. So what are, you know, the money is less, not that it's less hard to come by. I, I think that it's can be hard for some folks to raise, but it's more about how are we going to work together and, how are you going to contribute to this relationship? So I think it's been kind of a fun process to be able to say, do they understand sports? Do they understand ed tech? Um, what's their experience and who are their connections? And so that's been, it's been fun to be able to be a bit choosier. Yeah. 
so let's all right now I, I i now i i feel like we've kind of established a really good baseline and I, I i love the narrative that you have crafted thus far but now let's get to the meat and potatoes of the thing and i i really want to talk about this pandemic mm. uh because i i just i am blown away it's really interesting um actually so so there are so many who would say that it is not that a pandemic isn't a great time to start a business. But in fact, um, the statistics show that you see more entrepreneurs activate in times of economic distress. And it's there's a, a correlation to entrepreneurs who, you know, have been laid off or have been, you know, forced to kind of pivot who are now in a position like, all right, well, if I don't have a job, I might as well start my own thing. Um, so, so it's really interesting when you see these, these numbers uh, jump up in new business. Um, and, I, and I'm not saying that that's what happened with with Honest Game, but I've just always been kind of fascinated by by that. You see entrepreneurs starting businesses right at the times when people are like, don't start businesses. It's the wrong time. Uh, I just find that fascinating. Mm. Uh, but so, so tell us, talk to us about the the tactics and like some of the ways that you've had to actually overcome um, this this global phenomenon that we are are dealing with, and then all of the associated issues, you know, e economic distress, um, you know, civil unrest, like they, there's just so much happening in the world. And I'd be really interested to hear uh, your thoughts on how Honest Game has been able to navigate that. Yeah, I, I appreciate the question. And I'm fascinated by the whole idea of, of new enterprise starting during, you know, times of, you know, civil unrest and economic downturns. I, for us, it was even potentially on paper more extreme because school was shut down and sports were shut down. Yeah. That's kind of what we do. So, um, so I think like, you know, but here's the great part. And I think, well, there's two, two points I want to mention. Number one is eligibility was still a thing. Mm -hmm. And if any, if, if any way, in a lot of ways, it was more important now. And that's because the NCAA and NAI kept changing their requirements, dropping test scores, extending the dead period, all of these things. And kids were home and remote learning. And we saw kids get getting disengaged and depressed. And in some ways, this is a tool that kind of also kind of, if you have short-term goals, it affects your sort of emotional psyche. And also make sure that kids feel like, even though I'm at home and I don't know what the world's going to look like, and this feels crazy, there's someone that has me, that has my back. Yeah. So that was one part of it. I think the other part is that, and I don't know if it's because we're athletes, but like, it's kind of those tenants I told you before. Like, I always say to Joyce all the time, this customer may have said no, but they'll work with us. They just don't know yet. They just don't know it yet. And so right. I think it's this idea of grit. Like we kind of just keep going and keep going. And so I think, you know, I, and I think that there's so much creativity and new opportunities that arise in times of, of real difficulty in our country. Yeah. Well, so, so let's, let's turn that outward. Like you, you've mentioned a couple of, a couple of tenants that have helped you navigate these choppy waters, like grit, you know, keep going, um, things like that. But if you were to give well, I'm going to put you on the spot. Sorry. Sure. <laughs> um, but if you were to give one piece of advice to our listeners at home who are either thinking about starting a business, you know, or in the kind of nascent stages of starting a business right now at this moment in time, what would you tell them? Like, what has been the most impactful piece um, for you 
and, and what would you like to pass on? I'd say the most impactful thing is kind of what I started with. Know your why. Yeah. People do a lot of things. You know, what do you do? And then you can explain how you do it. I would say that a lot of people don't know your why. And until you know your why, I, I don't know that I'd advocate for that because I think that's what gets you up in the morning when things are bad, when yeah. you don't feel well, when you have a cold, when you've been turned down by a customer, but you get up and your team gets up and they're, they're rooting for something bigger than themselves. So right. I think that it's always about before you do anything, know your why. Yeah. Well, and so that, that is amazing advice. And I think there's a, is it Simon Sinek who has the start with why book? Oh, I, I love, I love him. I love him. Yeah, yeah. I, I do too. I do too. Like there's that whole Ted talk with like the circles and I, yeah, I, I love him. Well, so, so let's talk a little bit about your why. And I'm going to ask you, do you have, so, so, so you're a very data driven organization, of course. And clearly like you have a deep understanding of data and how it, it influences your business. But let's talk a little bit about that qualitative piece. Do you have any stories or do you have any like anecdotes that you could share with us? Like successes for the students that you serve? Like when you're talking to stakeholders and you wanna share like, this is our why, what story do you tell? Do you have any? Yeah, I have two stories. Um, yeah. I'll tell you one that, that is a little sad. And then I'll tell you the one that's positive. The okay. one that's sad is a student athlete we worked with. Um, it was after we launched our tech originally and I got connected to him and um, he was a football player, had offers from, he was now seven years out. I mean, he was seven years you know, older, like this was about seven to 10 years earlier, but that he had these opportunities. But we met with him and I said, listen, you were recommended by so-and-so and I would love to show you our tech. And I know that you experienced this um, and you really understand the space. So, you know, tell me what you think. And I started going through the technology with him and he, his eyes got really big. His name is Leo and his eyes got really big. And he said, where were you seven years ago? Yeah. And so the idea was that his life would have been different. He would have been the first in his family to go to college. And when you talk about impact, Lauren, we're talking about changing an individual's life, which ripples down to the community, which ripples right. down you know, excuse me, ripples down to the family, which ripples down to the community. Like we're talking about massive sort of transformation. And yeah. so that was the sad story. And it was our kind of, again, why we do what we do. Right. So and, you never again have a Leo who falls through the cracks. Because to, to your point, like, you know, not only are you affecting the student, but you're giving him the opportunity to build intergenerational wealth um, and, you know, achievement, which then trickles down to to his family and then his family's family and the generations that come beyond and the you know the money that he puts back into his community just by purchasing like services from the businesses around him and I mean it's just the it, it's like this domino effect that you are creating and the very epicenter is that student athlete whose life you changed that's that's amazing I have the um chills right now because you get it yeah and so um you know, you said intergenerational change, it's social mobility. Right. It's that college isn't for everyone. However, if you look at the stats, it, it, we want every student to have equal access to it because college in America is growing at a rate of eight times the average wage. Yeah. And we know that if kids go to college and there are about $3 billion in athletic scholarships out there, and we know if kids go to college um, over the average span of a lifetime, they will earn a million dollars more. 
So it's not that they have to do that, but we talk about real transformation in communities and in families and this stuff matters. Right. Yeah, it, it absolutely does. So you, you said that you had two stories and I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. Like Leo, that's a sad story. That's a cautionary tale. And, and I love that you've been able to turn that history into action. Like let's, okay, Leo happened and that is a, a sad thing, but let's never allow that to happen again. Right. So what's, tell it, tell us the good. So the good is Naquan. Okay. So Naquan, um, grew up in a family, had incredible athletic talent, um, but not, excuse me. Yeah. Athletic talent, but had some opportunities on the academic side and we worked with him. Um, and again, like I said, unfortunately the way the system is set up, it's a catch up game. So the idea of, um, you know, catch up is that you're already behind. And so he was catching up, had to take all of these classes and all of these classes and without sort of the teamwork of like an honest game and his counselors and his coaches and everybody in Naquan's village, um, he wouldn't have been able to go to college. Now he went to Michigan state and he's being drafted in the NFL. So, and I remember going to his game. I remember going to his game. He plays for Michigan state. And when he went to, when he went to, he played Northwestern and he's from Evanston, right where Northwestern is. And I sat and I sat in the stands and I cried because if it wasn't for the entire village around Naquan, an honest game in the entire village, what would have happened is he might have been sitting in his, his apartment watching this game on TV. And now he has all of these opportunities in the world. So, yeah. and again, it's not just about the NFL, but that's a great story of an amazing child, an amazing family who just as being proactive has is going to change his life. Yeah. Well, and, and so you know, you have, you have the, the aspirational stories, like not every, not all of these students are going to get drafted into the NFL. And I think, you know, we get that, but it is, it is nice to see. And again, like you kind of, you change the trajectory of this young gentleman's life. Um, So, so talk to me, talk to me about this. Like when you are talking to the students that you serve, do they have an under, like really, I'm trying to figure out how to like phrase this. I kind of my head half formed. So here it comes. Um, So when you, when you're working with students, like, do they have an understanding or a grasp that they are actually the stewards of their own achievement? Like you're not helping them perform better academically. You're not, you know, but what you are, what you're doing is you're handing them a tool. And so when you have, when you have these students, like, do they have an understanding of the power of what you're handing them? You know, that's a work in progress. Um, We're a new product in a new market. Nobody does this. So we have to do a lot of educating and informing. And you as well know, Lauren, like, you know, the expression, you can drive a horse to water, you can't make them drink. Right. But we can provide a tool that hopefully that's why we provide it to everyone in that student's village that somebody's saying, you know, okay, maybe mom's out or maybe the student lives with a grandma, but somebody's pulling that student aside saying your grades are power. Even if it's not just, um, even, even if it's just, you want, you get more merit money for college, you know, there's power even in just the scholarships. And so to take agency over the process. And I think it's as a new product in a new market, we're asking people to do something different. We're asking people to say, focus on the student and student athlete. It's, it's going to be ongoing communication. Yeah. Well, well, that's absolutely amazing. And, and so now I, I'm going to shift gears a little bit because okay. I've been wanting to talk to you about this. But 
when we talk about you, re congratulations, by the way, I don't know if I Thank said you. Thank you. Um, chosen as a top Chicago startup. Um, and, and, you know, I think I, I may have mentioned before we started, like when we did the top Chicago startups episode, like I always love talking about companies, but yours was one that I actually got really excited about. And I think, you know, I, I was, I was a student athlete, like when I was much younger, not like competitive in any sense, like, you know, I could just, you know, play a little bit of softball, but um, that being said, like what I loved about your value proposition was the, that equity piece, that access piece. I just think that that's so cool. Um, so, so congratulations on being named a top Chicago startup. Um, my Thank question you. to you is talk to us a little bit about Chicago and kind of the landscape that you're operating within. I'm just really curious, you know, have you found... We, when we do these top startup episodes, we identify communities that seem to have really strong entrepreneurial ecosystems. Um, and so, so talk to us a little bit about how maybe Chicago has kind of informed your experience and what it's like to operate as an entrepreneur, tech, ed tech um, startup yeah. in that space. Well, you know, I give, I, this is our city. We love it. And it's pretty evident, you know, one, we, when we started this, we weren't entrepreneurs. So I, for other entrepreneurs out there, like we didn't really know what we didn't know. And so yeah. there's a tech center in Chicago called 1871. Um, and it's really the tech hub. Do you know it? I've heard of it. <laughs> yeah. So um, they were, we joined um, the first accelerator there. Uh, the first, that was what we did to kind of really just get this boot camp in, in startup and sort of building a financial model and what is cost of acquisition and what's lifetime value and how do we make sense of this? And, you know, um, do we really have product market fit? And we joined their women in STEM um, accelerator and it was incredibly powerful. So I give all the folks, yeah, I give all the folks at 1871, um, Betsy Ziegler and Rachel Freeborn, like incredible, like we owe it to them because we feel like our baby was born there. Yeah. That is awesome. I yeah. love her. I, did, I actually didn't know that they have women, a women in STEM court, or, uh, accelerator. So now I'm going to have to reach out and be like, hey, what's going on? How are you doing? Yes. yes. <laughs> they're, 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 they're amazing. And I think you can see that a lot of our first traction was yeah. high schools and club teams in our city. And then yeah. now we're sort of, now we're in all these cities, even doing international, but it was super, like, we were like, you know, the idea of like, we wanted to take care of our own. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, so, so. I, I'm going to piggyback on that question, and this isn't necessarily like Chicago related, but um, who else has informed you on your journey and supported you? I'm just curious. <laughs> right. You mean people that we know, that I know or just... Yeah, um... like, I mean, do you have mentors? Do you have like people or organizations who've influenced what you've done and where, you, where you're going? Yeah. We have a really... It's a great question. We have a really strong advisory council. Yeah. So um, we had won the Chicago Bulls venture competition. So Thaddeus Young, who plays for the Bulls, is one of our advisors. Oh, um, awesome. He really gets it. Um, we're really proud of our advisory council, not just because of the knowledge, but because of the diversity on it. Um, we have Gene Cross from the Sacramento Kings. Uh, he was with the Sacramento Kings. Now he's with the New York Knicks. Um, he does amateur scouting with them. We have um, Tyree Burks, who created a company called Players Health. We have Dory McHorter, the CEO of the YWCA. We have Amy, wow. yeah, Amy, Amy Hutchhausen, who actually is the first female commissioner. She runs the America East. So we feel yeah. like we have these really good advisors that like are just there to say, we are rooting for you. And we, we're all building, we're all together collectively building something bigger than ourselves. Yeah. 
That is that is absolutely awesome. And I, I don't think there's anybody listening at home or, or my, myself included that doesn't understand that often your success comes because of the people you surround yourself with. Um, so, and obviously you've done just an amazing job putting together a, a team of subject matter experts who believe in what you're doing. You know, that that's that's the key for me. Like you have to understand absolutely. why, everybody has to understand the why. Um, so that, that's really, really cool, Kim. Um, Thank you, Lauren. All right, so, so I'm gonna ask, I've got two more questions. One of them's the human question, but the, the next question that I have, we're actually gonna go over time because I'm just, so interested by this. Ah, I love it. I love it. Yeah. Um, but so, so the question is, what's what's next for Honest Game? Like, I know we know where you're at now. We know where you started. But you know, when you look out further, what do you see happening? Oh, it's from a, from the company standpoint. Yeah. So I think um, you know we are we want to be very deliberate about everything that we do. So we're gonna do this raise, bring our tech in house, um, bring on, we kind of have a, a try it before you buy it for employee model. So we kind of, people kind of work with us and get to know us before, cause we want to make sure that the fit is right. And our culture is keep maintaining that culture is critical to us. So I think we're going to keep on that. I think after we sort of crush eligibility, we're going to move into admissibility, which is more about, you know, you want to go to Dartmouth, you want to go to Stanford, you want to go to this D3 school. Um, how many APs do you need? And really, again, give the path to those students. And then after those student athletes, we'll probably move into the general population of students. Yeah. Okay. I, oh, I love that. I can't wait. I can't wait to see that. I'm like, sitting here, I'm like, ooh, what are the practical applications of that? <laughs> <laughs> love it. So now you, you've started me plotting. So thank you. Awesome. Well, we'll keep talking. Uh, <laughs> yeah. All right. So, so here, we have come to the, the time in our conversation where I'm going to ask you the human question and Go it's it. going to be a little bit of, please excuse the pun. It's going to be a little bit of a softball. Uh, but okay. what sports do you like to watch or what sports do you play? Like how do how do sports influence you right now? Kim Michelson. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be an unusual thing. I, I, I still play on a girls basketball team, even though I'm okay. this month, I'm going to be 50. So I play on a, uh, wow. I know it's a big birthday. Um, thank you. Thank you. I try, I try to stay active. So I'm, I play on a girls basketball team, um, which is fun. Cause it keeps me, although my hips are, are starting to feel it. I grew up in LA, so I'm still like an LA fan, even though I love the bulls now too. So the Lakers and the bulls, but I think that um, sport to me, I love sport, but to me, sport, it's fun to watch, but unless I'm less impacted on this play and that play and more about what it does for people, the yeah. access that it opens up. And I feel that way about theater. I feel that way about dance. I feel that way about whatever. I think is if you can find your why, it's really about how it opens pathways and less about the actual thing. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That was a far more serious answer than I was anticipating. We take, you know, we love what we're doing and I hope it shows. Oh yeah, yeah, most definitely. Well, well, Kim, I cannot thank you enough for, for taking the time to sit down with us and chat about the things that you love and the things that you do and what's important to you um, and, and talk to us about Honest Game. Like you're, you're doing really amazing work groundbreaking work for for some of these these students that you serve so thank you for taking the time to chat oh, with us lauren you were amazing thank you thank you for hosting 
hosting. Absolutely. And, and I do one more time. We just want to give a big old shout out to our very, very favorite sponsor. Uh, that would be full scale. They can help you build a software team quickly and affordably. If you want to learn more, check them out at fullscale.io. Also keep an eye out for startup hustle TV. We've got episodes dropping every week. Yours truly is on Matt DeCourcy is on some of these amazing hosts that, you know, from startup possible are on and we want you to check it out. You can check it out on the startup hustle TV channel on YouTube. Um, but thank you so much for listening folks. We have enjoyed spending this time with you and we will catch you next time. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.